Hello, you're listening to Our Walk, the podcast that speaks to real people with real stories about a real God. This week, we are talking to Luke, our co-host. This is episode number two, so hopefully if you're listening to this, you will already have listened to episode number one. In episode number one, we explained how this works. We split the podcast into three parts. Part one, we talk about your background, where you came from, where you started, what your family's like. Part two, when you met God, when you encountered God, what he's been doing in your life. And number three, what's happened? What's changed? How has God moved in your life? So without further ado, here we go. Before we begin this interview and this chat, Luke, I want to just uh, introduce a game to the people that are listening. Oh, yeah? What um, game? <laughs> well, if people listen to episode one, they might have noticed that you tend to say, you know, quite a lot. <laughs> now, I think we noticed um, when we were recording it. Yeah, we did notice while we were recording. So I want to introduce a game. So right. people that are not Christian listening, feel free to make this a drinking game. Mm. Uh, if you are a Christian and listening, I kind of want to ch- turn it from a shot of alcohol to a shot of the Bible. Oh. So every time Luke says, you know, read one verse of the Bible, pause you... the podcast, read a verse of the Bible. You know, that's really, you know, exciting. The fact that everyone has to read a Bible first, um, you know, every time I say, you know, that's really great, you know. Yeah, yeah. See, I lost count there. So <laughs> pause this podcast, go and read the Bible, we'll come back. There okay, now... <laughs> With that game introduced, <laughs> we're going to start the interview. Luke, hmm. tell the listeners where your life began. My life began in Reading, as it's always been. I've always been here, so my life began here. Uh, I was born into a family of... Well, at the time I had an older brother. Uh, later on in life I uh, had a younger brother and a younger sister. Came into the family with my mother and father there as well and yeah I mean I had a good childhood there's nothing bad that I can think about it Uh, I wasn't always a Christian that came later in life at the age of 17 I think Uh, so up to then yeah you know I went to primary school Uh, from that I was really bullied uh, at the age of I would have been 11 which wasn't really the greatest experience and it wasn't just plain simple bullying it wasn't just calling me names it started off like that but then it later turned into death threats from boys from secondary school friends with uh, the bully in my class at primary school it's intense (laughs) it was really intense yeah and at the age of uh, 10 and 11 it's not the best thing you know I became a real recluse from that I didn't want to go out to the world because I was scared. There were times where I saw these boys walk past my house and I was told that they were going to walk past my house because they were going to kill me. And yeah, when you're this age, like I'm 24 now, obviously looking back you think, well, that's really ridiculous. You know, these boys were 12, I was 11. But at the time you just, you don't know. Mm. It and it just... was really real, I guess. Yeah, no, it was absolutely. Very much an yeah. Like... No, definitely. Did you ever tell anyone about them? No, I told my teacher in the class, in the last year of primary school, 
that there was a bully in the class and that um, he was calling me names. Nothing really came of that, like he never got detention, never got spoken to, or as far as I know. And to be fair, this teacher wasn't my favourite teacher in the, in the school anyway, you know, so, yeah. But that was the only time where, and this was early on, you know, this is when he was just calling me names and stuff. So I felt like, oh yeah, I'll just go and tell the teacher, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, months down the line, that's when these death threats came from these older guys, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, so how did that affect, so you've already said you kind of became a recluse, but how did that, did that affect, like, relationships with people or your family life? No, I mean, the only thing that had a major effect in my life was uh, not going to secondary school. So for my whole secondary school time, I was homeschooled by my mother. And that's the only thing it really affected because it was just scared of going out, you know. And it, this was my last year in primary school as well. So there was quite, at that age, an overwhelming sense of not knowing what's going on and not knowing what to do. Like, if I went to the secondary school that I was going, uh, planning to go to, these boys were there. Mm. Uh, but this was the only secondary school that I knew people were going to, so other um, secondary schools, sorry, you know, I didn't know anyone. Mm. So that was quite overwhelming, it was quite daunting. And the fact that I didn't want to go outside anyway because I was just scared for my life, that's what, when my mother decided to ask me if I wanted to be homeschooled. Like, she did give me that choice. Mm. And thinking about it, you know, I thought about it for about a week or so when I came to a decision and was like, yeah, Mama, I want to be homeschooled. And looking back on that now, it was a choice made out of fear. Do I regret that I made that choice? Not necessarily. When you're homeschooled, it's you, you don't really get that social aspect that you would at school. You, you know, there's not you're not sat in a class with like thirty other kids, and you don't get to sort of go and play every day. I mean, there were some community stuff that um, they did with homeschool uh, children in Reading, which is quite a lot. You know, even now, you know, there's a lot of homeschooled children out there, uh, which is quite cool. And I did make some friends from there as well, but it's not a choice that. I regret, you know, it's made me who I am today, you know, it's part of my life and it's something that's helped me grow as a, the person that I am today. Mm. And I guess at that stage there's loads of ifs, buts and maybes, you know, there's no real point in looking back and going, if I hadn't been homeschooled, my life would be totally different. Yeah, you know? yeah, and definitely during the time when I was homeschooled, I, I, you know, I often thought about, oh, I wonder what it'd be like if I was at school, you know, or could I go back into school now after, you know, two or so years after being homeschooled. Like, the full time was five years. But, you know, there were thoughts during those five years where it's like, well, maybe I can go into a secondary school next year. But I never did, you know. I, I thought I'd just stick to being homeschooled because it's what I know. Mm. So, yeah. And it worked, you know. You, you're, you're an intelligent guy. You're, I wouldn't you're not... say that. <laughs> <laughs> well... You come across as intelligent. Yeah, it's all a facade, it's all an act. <laughs> so how how was being homeschooled? Like, that must have affected your home family life. I mean, I guess you wouldn't know how to compare it to non-homeschooled. No, um, homeschool was fine. I think with me it's, it's quite difficult because I have what they say is the middle child syndrome, where <laughs> I'm, I'm quite... I keep myself to myself, and I've always been that since a teenager. 
you know, I've kind of opened up a bit more now, later in life now that I'm an adult, but yeah, and that's what I was like, you know, it was doing my work, you know, and studying and having my mum help me and stuff like that and teach me, but yeah, I mean, you would think, oh, you know, that must connect more as a family and stuff, and I'm not saying that we didn't connect at all, but I, like, again, I, I was that middle, tra- middle child that was like, I'm just going to keep myself to myself, you know? But, yeah. So is your mum a teacher? Did she have to change anything to do no, that? No, so she used to... Uh, she used to be a TA, teaching assistant, in her life. Um, so from that, that's where it sort of stemmed from that. She thought, OK, maybe I can do this. And there's, um, I think... I'm not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure there's not a course that parents who are looking to homeschool their children have to take, but there were, like, guidelines and notes and stuff like that that um, came from people you know okay. <laughs> yeah so so a bit of a difficult upbringing in that you like to keep yourself to yourself you didn't go to secondary school yeah and you obviously had these threats yeah happening. and also what I'd like to add as well you know during my teenage years I was what people like to call I'm not sure they still do because I'm 24 now I'm quite old I'm not really down with the kids but an emo so, you know how they're like, so I was very much into heavy metal, rock music, and I had such a negative view of the world, you know, not of the people. I don't think that's, that came from being homeschooled, I think that probably came down from being bullied, mm. and obviously there's a lot of low self-esteem issues there and stuff, and it just was something that I felt comfortable being. And I had a group of friends that I'd often go and hang out with, you know, most of them were homeschooled, that's how I met them, and then a few others from school, friends or friends and stuff. Uh, and that led me to just sort of getting drunk quite a bit with my friends. Uh, my friends were all doing drugs, I don't think I ever really touched drugs. I had one time of smoking weed, but that was it, you know. It was, drugs was never sort of a thing that I thought, oh yeah, I'll do that. But certainly getting drunk and drinking alcohol was definitely something, because it was... Oh, yeah, to escape the pain. And also, it was quite, you know, it fitted in with the style. It was like, you know what, I'm quite cool drinking alcohol. I'm quite cool um, listening to heavy metal music and wearing black clothes. Yeah. It was a self-esteem so, boost. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. So yeah. how old were you when you were getting drunk and doing that kind of... Uh, around 14, 14, 15. Yeah. So underage by quite a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, definitely, yeah. Cool. Okay, so that's that's the foundation. Hmm. How did you get into the church environment? How did you that start? It was, it was my mum, really. Well, it was my mum and my younger brother. So my younger brother started coming to church here. Uh, and in this church, we have cell groups, um, or small groups, as other churches call them. So my younger brother was quite friends with, uh, friendly with people that came here from school. So he was coming along. And... My mother basically forced me to come on a beach day out that they were having here at the church. They went to, like, Bournemouth or Portsmouth Beach. And so my mum was just basically like, you, you know, you're not getting out, you're not doing anything, so you need to go out. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't like these people, I don't know them. And it's like, no, you're going out. So she basically made me go, and that's when, that's when stuff changed, because I met an amazing guy who we know by James Holland's and talking to him, and at first he was quite sort of pushy, in the sense like he wasn't pushing me or anything, but the fact that he just kept asking me questions, it was genuine, in a genuine way, like he just wanted to know more about me and stuff, 
and it was from that that I had a um, like a I don't know a sort of awakening in the sense that okay not everyone is a horrible person you know there this James guy you know he's doing this beach trip for these young kids and um, Sarah as well who was there it's like this is kind of weird you know and this was just coming off from a tragic moment that one of my friends who was um, doing drugs and stuff uh, he nearly died I'm not sure what from and stuff like that but it was quite sort of eye-opening in the sense like wow this stuff's getting real so that's why I became a bit more of a recluse I didn't really go out much and that's why my mum basically in the end forced me to go to this beach day out so did she make you go to this beach day out because she was a Christian or just because she thought it would be good social she thought it would be a good social so my my family aren't Christian at all so I never had a Christian upbringing never went to church as a kid or anything like that so yeah it was complete it was completely for a social thing it's like right this kid needs to get out of this house and he needs to socialise with some people so that's what it was for uh, yeah. So from that beach day out, mm. presumably you got a bit more involved in church life. Yeah, so I started going to cell group. I thought, oh, this James guy seems all right. And there are a few other people that I knew who were my brother's friends that I knew were there as well. So I thought, yeah, I can go along to this. This seems all right. And just week by week, stuff about the Bible, about God, just became a bit more interesting. And... I think it was about three three or four months after I started going to church and stuff where it, there was this one night where I had this dream and it was really powerful because I woke up from it startled but in a good way, not like it was a nightmare or anything. And basically what happened in this dream, I was walking down this alleyway and there was this homeless guy on the ground. So I go up to him in this dream and he grabs me by the collar and says, share the love. And I instantly woke up from that feeling, whoa, what's happening? Mm. Like, I felt really energetic and stuff. But there was kind of something in me that knew, okay, this wasn't just a weird dream that's just startled me. This is something else. And then talking about it, because it, it, was, it was so real as well. So I talked about it with James and a few other people in the church here. And they were thinking, do you know what? This sounds like it's something from God. Like, asking me a bit more in depth. Like, how did you feel from it? And stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it was just a buzz from it. It's like real. And they're like, well, what do you think you're going to do from this? Because, you know, God has different ways of communicating with people. So I was like, wow, I don't know what I'm going to do from this. I don't know. Maybe share the love. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. You know, and... It's something that I've just stuck by ever since then. Like I said, I was a emo teenager, so I had such a negative view of the world and people. I didn't like people. Now I love people, you know. I'm quite, I'd say, a people person. Like, I like being around people, like hanging around people. It doesn't matter where they're from, backgrounds or anything like that. It's like, I just love talking to people. So it's from that that I've just really implemented that message into my life and thought do you know this is what I'm going to do Mm. but yeah just going to share the love share the love dude yeah (laughs) awesome okay let's take a break yeah uh, and then we will go away and come back and we will hear about the moment that God you kind of revealed himself and you had that that moment where you knew (laughs) 
So, Luke, you were bullied at home, you were raised in a non-Christian home, you mm. were homeschooled, you were, had death threats, you were a bit of an emo, bit of a recluse. Lots and lots happened in your childhood and growing up. Yeah. So, you then went to this beach day, you then started getting an idea of what church was about, you mm-hmm. didn't hate everyone, you kind of realised. Yeah. Tell us about the moment or the stories about how you kind of realised that God was real. Well, yeah, I'm glad you said stories there, because for me it's it's nothing, there wasn't one moment where it was kind of like, bang, you know, that's it, I know who God is and stuff, there's just like some selected moments. So I remember in my first year we had this guy who was quite a prophetic guy, like he loved speaking prophecies over people, and um, I can't <laughs> bring this up and I don't actually remember what he said, but I just know it impacted me in a great way. He said, you know, something like you're going to do amazing things for God. And it's something that even nowadays, you know, I, I don't really have the best view of myself. And I t- certainly didn't back then. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, us- usually if I heard anything like that, I'd be like, yeah, right. But from that night, it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And you know what? I believe this guy, and I believe that God's speaking through this guy. Um, yeah, there's just lots of little moments, you know. It, it's something that literally grew, you know, like every time I was going to sell or to church or to some special event that was hosted at, at church or um, outside of church and stuff like that, it was like my uh, faith was sort of increasing. My knowledge of the Bible of God was increasing, you know, week by week. But there wasn't really any encounter with God back then, back in the early uh, days of coming to church and stuff. Um, That came a bit later on. I think it was back in 2015. Yeah, when we had an encounter weekend here. And it was at the end of the encounter weekend that I was being prayed for. Well, we were all being prayed for in that room. And some guy just came up to me and he was praying for me and stuff. And then all of a sudden I just fell to the ground shaking. And it's like, I can't really remember what happened in that time. I just knew that I was on the ground shaking. Mm. Um, But it's like, again, like I said with the dream earlier on that I had, it was very impactful in the sense that it was a bit of an overwhelming sensation in a good way. And I got from it and I was like, wow, this is it. You know, this is this is God. And it's not like before then I ever had, um, I, I was doubting God was real or anything like that. Of course, you know, humans, we tend to time to time have these questions and think, well, why is, it, is this this way or why is that happening and stuff? But there was never any like doubt. It's like, yeah, no, I know God's real. But saying that without actually fully encountering him until that moment, and I was like, yeah, no, this is brilliant, you know. And then there was talks of, oh yeah, would you like to go to Bogota to this church conference? And I had never been abroad, you know, and I remember that day I was just going, do you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go, you know? It was kind of just a bold move. It was like, you know, wow, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go for it. But yeah, so, yeah. So that that encounter, that personal (laughs) encounter and revelation kind of happened after a while of building up your faith, yeah. kind of from, would you say that dream was kind of the starting point of something and then it kind of all built on top of that? I would say so, yeah. That's how I view it anyway, you know. Um, like I said, it just it was something that just kept growing. And there were moments, there were moments that I remember my first year of starting uh, my job as a um, nursery nurse, 
that there was a year where I was hanging out with my colleagues after work instead of going to Selwyn Church. I think there was, there was about uh, a month or so. And it was kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to go to church anymore. I don't really want to hang around these people. I'm quite liking hanging around with these people. I'm quite like going out clubbing and, you know, stuff. So, yeah, that was the only moment I can sort of remember back then. And then I just remember feeling, oh yeah, do you know what, I need to get back into church because I'm not feeling so good, you know. It's like I'm not getting any of that spiritual fruit mm. that I need. So it's like... Yeah, I'm just going to come back to church. I think it's when we got this building as well. So I never came for the opening of this building because that's when it was in that stage of, ah, I don't want to go to church. But then I think it was uh, two weeks after I messaged James and was like, hey, James, do you think you can show me around the building? He was like, yeah, of course, man. And so that's when it was like getting back into things again. It was like, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to come yeah. back here. You know, this is, this is me. Mm. This is me. Yeah. It's interesting that you <clears throat> talked about, like you realised things weren't so good when you well, went away yeah. from church and God environment mm. because that is very much kind of <laughs> how it goes isn't it you kind of don't realise how good and nice and pleasant things are yeah until you kind of slip away and then you kind of go oh no exactly well that's that's the enemy but you know playing his little game and stuff he puts all these things that tempt us from leaving church or not you know reading the bible or not going to cell group or anything like that and Sometimes we just got to sort of wake up and think, well, hold on, how am I feeling now compared to what I was feeling or how I was when I was going to church? It's like, well, the low self-esteem's come back. You know, I don't have low self-esteem in myself and um, my appearance and stuff. I'm not feeling so loving as a person towards people, just sort of my colleagues who were my friends and stuff. I like going out with them, blah, blah, blah. And a few other stuff. And that's where I was just like, yeah, do you know what? It's not actually that great not going to church. It's not great not reading the Bible and spending time with God. So that's, again, why I was like, yeah, you know, I've got to, I've got to come back to church every week now because yeah. I, w I want it and I need it, yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, another break, and then we'll move into part three. Mm. What's happened since you met God? Right, so Luke, mm. what has happened? What has changed since you fell to the floor and had no idea what was going on? What's happened in your life? What's changed? <laughs> Quite a lot, really. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't changes that I necessarily made myself. It was stuff that just happened to me. So about... Before you get into stuff that happened to you, talk mm. about personally. Talk about what happened to your personality and kind of your outlook oh so since that day of um falling to the floor <laughs> that's what we call it <laughs> yeah you know it was just um even more spiritually empowered it was like yeah do you know what i can take on the world in, in a sense like yeah not like to uh, rule it like a evil dictator or anything like that but just like do you know what? i can um fulfill the dreams that i have that god you know wants and stuff i can do the good work of god and stuff so yeah it was a good two months <laughs> Two months. Two yeah. months. Uh-oh. I sense a butt coming on. Yeah, so as I said about change, so it was about two months after that. It might have even been a month. I can't really remember. Uh, that my basically my whole world flipped upside down. It's stuff that I... Not that I can't go into detail, but I'm just not going to go into detail on this podcast. But 
if any of you listening want to know a bit more, please, I'm happy to share as much as, you know, I can with you personally and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I after those, after that month or so, it was four months of misery, worry, fear, sorrow, just everything that was negative. Uh, this was before Christmas as well, this was going through Christmas, and this was something that I thought was only going to last a week, then it became a month, and then ultimately, ultimately it led to four months. And like I said, this was something that I was waking up every morning feeling sick from worry, from fear, just being scared. Um, and my faith was a bit shaken. Hmm. Yeah, well, considering we're a fairly new, small baby Christian, yeah. to have all this kind of stuff thrown your way mm. is, well, one, we know now that it is obviously the enemy kind of going, oh, no, you oh, don't. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, yeah. totally chucking everything he's got at you. Mm. So, four months of, you know, kind of emotional hell. Yeah. Uh, how how did you get through that? What kind of people, things, prayers, what kind of stuff got, yeah. kind of got you through? You know, w during that time, I still had faith. Like, I said my faith was shaken, but it was still being persistent with coming to church, going to cell group. And even not all the time, I wasn't 100% believing that I was going to get through this. It was kind of nice to hear from people and church services and stuff. Um, I surrounded myself with, you know, people from church, uh, some of my best friends and cell leaders and leaders in the church as well, you know, they all knew about my situation. Because for that as well, it was a time where I needed to talk about my feelings and stuff. I needed to let it out, I couldn't just sort of contain it. It was something that I couldn't really go to my family to because I just felt like, okay, I've got to look and be strong in front of my family I can't let them see that this is affecting me because there was one t time I think it was the second day of when this thing happened that my mum started crying because she was worrying and fear so that you know that kind of made me think right I can't be like this in front of my family I've got to be strong for them I've got to show them that I'm not scared even though I was like I said I was waking up every morning scared you know that it was for months of most nights having nightmares and then waking up realising that I was in that nightmare as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just making myself get up and go to cell groups and go to church and uh, church events and trying to meet up with people as, uh, as much as I could just so I wasn't in the house overthinking stuff and worrying about stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's how I got through it was... Mainly the people in my life, you know, in the church. Yeah, I, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying, but mm. at the time there were things on Facebook and videos and stuff which was very, very emotional for me watching, mm -hmm. let alone for you to film yourself and publish, you know. <laughs> I mean, but it, yeah. was, it was really emotional and it's the kind of thing that is, you know, you talk about it... Mm. And you can hear the emotion in your voice. Yeah. But having also seen that stuff you put on Facebook, it's, you know, you can see how much it affected you. 
So let's talk about the light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. after the negative four months of awfulness. Yeah. How how obviously it came to a worldly natural end, but mm-hmm. also something must have happened to make you kind of flip back and Well it wasn't as easy as flipping back. Even today there's still stuff that I'm struggling with uh, emotionally from that four months but again it was persistence it was like okay yeah that was a horrible thing that happened I lost friends because of it I lost people who I saw as mother figures in my life because of it I lost my life because of it you know I lost the job because of it and it was a relief when it all ended. It was like, oh, yes, you know, this is brilliant. I remember waking up the next day and, th- you know, not being scared or anything. I, it was, you know, pure joy. It was like, wow, you know, I'm just going to go back to sleep and have another nap because, yeah. <laughs> I can. <laughs> yeah. But after that, you know, there was still some emotional struggle and, and stuff that I had to sort of get over. You know, forgiveness was one of them. Forgiveness to, like I said, these mother figures that I had in my life that basically turned their backs on me. In some Areas, maybe a little bit of forgiveness in God and being like, well, God, in early days after these four months, it was like, well, God, why did this happen? But like I said, you know, it's persistence. It was me saying, well, I'm still going to go to church. I'm still going to go to sale group. And I believe that this thing happened for a reason because we know that God has a plan for all of us. So what am I going to take away from this? And even though I don't 100% fully know now why it happened or what I have gained from it I can see what um, I've missed from it if that makes sense in the sense that what I don't have in my life anymore for the better and it's quite a lot of stuff you know whenever I reflect on it that you know pride I don't think I really have pride anymore but that was something looking back that I like yeah do you know what? I had a lot of pride you know about myself it's like yeah look at me how cool I am you know lust like temptations and lust and stuff like that uh greed as well like yeah i had this uh amazing encounter with god and my faith was growing but there was still these stuff that i didn't realize at the time that i had but from this experience it was like yeah do you know what all this has kind of gone well there's still little bits there you know we're all we all have these sins in our lives and these temptations and these little um, traits of us that in somewhat the world we live in kind of accepts nowadays to be fine so I think it's fair to say you you met God and the enemy did his damn best to drag you back yeah <laughs> and you you powered through mm-hmm. God helped you through people around you helped you through yeah, yeah. Would you say it's fair to conclude that God used that situation, which was obviously awful, to, mm. one, take things away from you that you shouldn't have had, didn't mm. need, are making you a better person, whatever, Yeah. but also to put you even more into your Christian church family? Yeah, no, definitely. I, like, I wouldn't say that God necessarily made the situation happen. No, no, no. But, but he, he used... used he used the situation to form me into the person I am today. And I don't, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect, you know, I'm far from it. Pretty but... close. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Um, but it's definitely made me a better person in my faith, in my walk with God, than I was back in um, 2015. So, yeah, and like I said, there are still more, sh- you know, struggles that I'm dealing with emotionally, you know. Sometimes I still have these nightmares about the whole 
situation. And some mornings I wake up a bit down because I'm thinking about the situation, I'm thinking about other stuff. Um, but as I've said many times, this podcast, persistence. Mm. You know, I'm still getting up and reading the Bible and making sure I'm doing my daily devotionals. Whenever I'm feeling down during the day, it's presenting it to God. I don't always do that, but most of the time I do because I, I keep myself in check. Mm. I'm like, Luke, you're feeling down, you're feeling a bit rubbish, you're feeling really negatively about yourself or the life that you're living. Go to God, you know, present these to God right now. So why? Why Why are you doing that? You're talking, you've said persistence a few times, you've said devotionals and mm-hmm. giving things to... But why? Why are you doing that? Well, Is it just because someone's going, Luke, do this? No, no, it's not because I'm being told to anything, you know. Um, it's that faith, it's that faith that I have in God. And these times when I have presented it to God, or when I have prayed about these things, these thoughts or feelings or whatever, they have most of the time gone away, you know? And I'm not saying most of the time as in it's like, oh, God's only done it these times, but sometimes he doesn't do it. You know, it all comes down to me making that choice. It's like, am I really presenting it to God or am I just saying it because because I'm just saying it? But it's having that faith because I know I encountered God that encounter weekend, you know? I know from before that, those years of studying and growing my faith in God, those four months, yeah, it was my faith was shaken a bit, but well, after they ended, it was like, right, now I need to sort of get back on track with my faith. It's like, yeah, I'm still going to probably have these negative thoughts, these doubts and these questions to God, but it's like, but I know he's there. I know he's real. So I'm not going to deny that. So that's why I persist with it, because it's like, I know he's real, and I know he's a good father. So, Luke, mm-hmm. as we said in episode one, at the end of every episode, we're going to be asking our interviewees for a prayer request. Yeah. What can the people listening, what can I pray about for you? The major thing that's in my life at the moment is, or what I need prayer for is wisdom of just sort of life things, mostly about career. So I do have a job, like I said, I'm a landscaper, I think I said in episode one. But it's not the job where I see myself being. I'm grateful for the job. It's something I needed and I'm surrounded by Christian because it's a Christian company. It's a small uh, group of us as well. And it's been great because they've been great support to me. But these are things that I get down about because... Well, it's one of the things I get down about sometimes. It's like I don't really have a clear vision of what I want to do career-wise. So it's that. It's, It's wisdom on sort of what I want to do next in my life because I'm still in that state of uncertainty of like, okay, I don't know what to do. Uh, but apart from that, I just, yeah, anything you guys want to pray, you know, if that's me growing even more in my faith, um, health or anything like that, I'd be, you know, very thankful for it. But yeah. Cool. Great. Yeah. We will definitely be doing that. Won't we listeners? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. It has been an absolute joy to interview you, Luke. Yeah. I'm sure it's been an interview for you to talk. <laughs> no, it's, you know, God is good. So, yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. very joyful. Okay, uh, if you have any questions, if you want to get in touch, if you want to let us know that you are willing to be interviewed, you can contact us. Uh, you can go to Twitter at Our Walk Pod. You can go on Facebook 
which is ourwalkpod as well. And you can email us, which is, again, ourwalkpod at gmail.com. And next week, it's going to be me being interviewed. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Mm. (laughs) Buzzing. Buzzing. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.